Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. All right. How's everybody doing? You doing all right? Fantastic. Right. Let's get straight into it this morning. Welcome. That is my first slide. Uh, I, I've been thinking about, you know, first Sunday of the year. You guys all go out on holiday. You don't think about it. But I go out on holiday and then it starts to get closer and I think, well, it's first Sunday of the year. What are we going to do? What are we going to talk about, God? What do you want to talk about this year? And, and I was thinking about you and I thought, do you know what I want for you this year? I, I really, really want 2023 to be your best year ever. And, and full disclosure, I want it to be my best year Ever as well. I wanted to be my family's best year. I wanted to be your family's best year. I want you to get to the end of this year and I want you to look back and go, that was a ripper year. That was probably the best year that I've ever had. I want you to get to the end of this year and look back and go, man, that was the year that I got breakthrough in all of these areas. That was the year that my marriage just went through the roof. That was the year that my connections with my friends were just blessed. That was the year that my finances turned a corner. That was the year that my health turned a corner. I just want 2023 to be amazing for us. Is that okay? Yeah, calm down, Marla. All right? And so uh, I, I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, how do we do that, God? And, and I believe that I have got something pretty exciting for you this morning. And I don't want to oversell it or exaggerate, because I'm not into hyperbole, so I'm just going to play it down. But I think what I've got for you this morning is probably the single greatest life-transforming piece of advice that you will ever get in the history of the world. But I just want to play it down, so I'm just going to, just going to keep it calm. I think that what we're going to learn this morning is going to do more to transform your life to change your life, to improve your life than anything else that you will ever hear or see or read ever, just playing it down. Forget Jordan Peterson's 12 rules, forget Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly successful people, forget Oprah with all of her lists, forget the secret. This piece of advice, this thing that I'm going to share with you this morning will do more for your life than anything else. And not only will it do more for your life, but I think that if you can implement this thing that I'm about to tell you, then it will not only transform your life, but it'll transform the lives of people that you come into contact with. I also think that if you can implement what I'm going to share this morning, it will do more for your relationship with God than anything else on the planet. I have got for you this morning a three-step process, and if you do this three-step process, I guarantee you, guarantee you, Sandra, it will change your life. Just playing it down. If it doesn't change your life by the end of the year, you come to me and I will give you your money back. You say, Josh, I'm not paying you for it. Well, pay me for it. And then if it doesn't work, I'll give you your money back. How about that? So I've got this, I've got this three-step process. Three steps. Are you going to get three steps today? No. You're going to get one step today. Because I want you to come back next week. And I want you to come back the week after. No one on my team knows what this three-step process is. Do you know what it is, Josh? No, you don't. Even my wife doesn't know what this three-step process is because I want her to come back next week too. This, 
this three-step process is, you can't get it online, it came from heaven. <laughs> Shut up, Gene. <sighs> this three-step process is simple, but not easy. Let me give you that caveat at the start. It is simple, as in uncomplicated, straightforward, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It is not easy to implement because it requires something from you. Are you all good now? You ready to hear this, this, this first step? We're going to focus on step one this morning. Step one on its own will be helpful, but it's not going to be nearly as effective as this three-step process. And when I say you do this three-step process and it will transform your life, I mean you need to do this three-step process every day. Not once and then you're done for the year. Every day. That's the caveat. Come to me at the end of the year, say, look, I did your three-step process. It didn't work. I'll say, did you do it every day? And if you say no, then I say, well, then you didn't read the fine print. Every day, it's got to be done. In fact, you can do it multiple times a day. The more you do this three-step process, the better it will work and the more amazing your life will become. Guaranteed. So the first step of this three-step process is find where God is. That's the first step. Find where God is. You say, wait a minute, Josh. Isn't God everywhere? I mean, isn't God, he's omniscient, which means all-knowing. He's omnipotent, which means all-powerful. And he's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. So how can I find where God is? Isn't God everywhere? And let me say, um, I don't know. What if God's not everywhere? Like, what are, you, what are you basing that on right now? One of the things I love to do in church is I love to say things that make people go, huh? Oh. Because here's what I think. I think if you come to church and I get up, and I've said this before, and I say a whole bunch of stuff and you go, Dan Straight, preach it. That's what I think. Glad somebody's saying it. Well, it might be a good time for all of us, but then you go home and it changes your life 0% because all I've done is tell you what you already think. And the Bible says in Romans 12 verse 2 that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. You can't be transformed if your mind is not renewed. Renewed means to change the way that you think. You can't do that if you're only getting information that you already know. So I would rather get up and say something like, is God everywhere? I don't know. And you go, well, oh, I don't think about that. Good, makes you think. Let's just look at a couple of Bible stories and just kind of run it through the lens of is God everywhere. So in Genesis chapter 2, God created Adam and Eve. You guys will know that story probably. And then he says, hey, live in the garden, fill the garden, rule over the garden. You can do whatever you want in the garden. You can eat whatever you want in the garden, but you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Side note, not what I want to talk about, but how fascinating is that? In God's original design, mankind could not discern good from evil. God said, I don't want you to have the capacity to decide for yourself what is good and what is evil. I want you to be so dependent on me relationally that you don't need to worry about that. See, we give Eve a hard time. Flippin' heck, Eve. I mean, he was a freaking snake. How could you not see that coming? Right? We look at Eve talking to the devil in the form of the serpent, and we think, oh, naive Eve. 
like I would have seen that coming a mile away. But remember, at the time, Eve had not eaten of the tree, which means Eve had no capacity to discern good from evil. She had no knowledge of good and evil because she hadn't eaten from the tree. So maybe we need to cut Eve a bit of slack. Anyway, that, I just read that and I was like, that's interesting. Anyway, <laughs> you guys don't find it so interesting. That's all right. So, wow, yeah, oh, anyway, Eve is, in chapter 3, she's talking to the devil, the devil comes along and says, Eve, I've got a couple of questions about this whole arrangement, did God, like he's made all this stuff and then God said you can't eat from that tree, but I I think that he's got an ulterior motive, I think that he's worried that if you eat from the tree then you're going to be as smart as he is, and maybe you should give it a go, and he says, well, you know, it makes sense, so she grabs a piece of fruit, the Bible says, and then just as she was about to eat the piece of fruit from behind her, you heard a, the Bible says she turned around and there was God watching because God's everywhere, doesn't say that, does it? In fact, when you read that story, there's not even a, a, a semblance of an idea that God is in that conversation. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that later in the day, God came into the garden to walk in the garden with Adam in the cool of the day, which kind of makes it sound like he wasn't there before, but then now he is. So is God everywhere? That's interesting. Nice picture, which I should have put up when I told that story. What about if we skip forward to Genesis chapter 18? Genesis chapter 18, Abraham is hanging out at the front of his tent, and three guys show up, and one of them is God. The Bible literally he calls him Lord. Junior, you know, Christian scholars and historians will say that was, that was God, or maybe it was Jesus, but it was definitely one of the two of them. And Abraham says, what are you guys doing here? And God says to Abraham in Genesis 18, he says, well... I've heard some rumors. I've heard that there's a town down the road called Sodom doing some dodgy stuff. And there's another town a little bit further along called Gomorrah also doing some dodgy stuff. So God says, I have come down to check it out to see if what I have heard is legit. Is that not a weird thing for an all-knowing, all-present God to say? It's not the sort of thing you expect a God that knows everything and is everywhere to say. I've come down to check out if what I've heard is actually happening. That's interesting. What about Exodus chapter 33? Moses is leading the Israelites through the desert. The presence of God is represented by the fire of cloud, uh, the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud during the day. And one day God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to go over there. And Moses says to God, I'm not going over there unless you go with us because I refuse to go somewhere that you're not. That's a weird thing to say to someone if that person is everywhere, isn't it? That's interesting. What about uh, Elijah? Let's do one more. 1 Kings chapter 19, God comes to Elijah and he says, Elijah, how are you going? And Elijah's had a no good, very bad day. And Elijah says, I'm, I'm done. I quit, God. I'm not doing this anymore. This sucks. And God says, well, that sounds like you and I need to have a more serious conversation. So why don't you go to the cave where we normally hang out and wait for me there? And so in 1 Kings 19, Elijah goes to the cave and he's waiting for God. And the Bible says that a great wind came, but God was not in the wind. But God's everywhere. How can he not be in something if he's everywhere? 
Then there was an earthquake, and the Bible says God was not in the earthquake. And then a small, small, still voice came, and when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his coat around him, and he went out to the mouth of the cave, and that's where God was. And so the question is, is God everywhere? And you're all sitting there like, well, I don't know now, Josh, like I'm flipping confused. You just told me all these stories. So what, what do you think? Now, here's, here's what I think. I think God is everywhere. This is what, actually what I think. I was just playing with you a little bit. I, I think God is everywhere. I certainly think that God is everywhere that we are. I think anytime we go anywhere, God's there. Like Psalm 139 is a fascinating psalm. A lot of people use that psalm to kind of expound on this idea that God's everywhere. Because David says, if I go here, you're there. And if I go there, you're there. And if I go up to heaven, you're there. And if I go down into the pits of hell, you're there. And everyone's like, see, God's everywhere. And it's like, well, yeah, he is, but only because David's there. David says, if I go there, then you're there. And if I go there, then you're there. So where I've kind of landed on this this week is I think God's everywhere. I certainly think God is everywhere that we are. I don't think it's possible for any of us to go anywhere and God not be there. But... I don't know if I believe that God is everywhere equally. Think about this. I think that there are spaces and places and moments in time where it is easier to find God than in other spaces and places and moments in time. And so when I say, look, step one is you need to find where God is. What I mean is that you need to find those spaces and places and those times in your life where God is more accessible than other spaces and places and times. You need to find the spaces and places and times in your day where it is easier to find God than at other times. Because I don't think all spaces are created equal. I don't think all places are created equal when it comes to finding God. I don't think all times are created equal when it comes to finding God. In fact, that's why I think the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. We've looked at this verse in times gone by. Other translations say he rewards those who diligently seek him. Or he rewards those who passionately seek him. All of the translations agree that what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that there is a pursuit of the presence of God that we need to commit to. Step one of this three-step process that I guarantee will transform your life is you need to find for yourself where those spaces and places and times are and then find God there. If I could kind of take that 1 Kings 19 passage where it said that God, the wind came and God was not in the wind. The earthquake came and God was not in the earthquake. And if I could kind of modernize that to like 2023, it would be like if I said to God, God, I'm really struggling right now. And God said, well, you and I need to have a conversation. Why don't you go home and I'll meet you there. And then Josh went home and Josh watched Netflix for two hours, but God was not in the Netflix. Josh decided to catch up with some friends and go out and do something social, but God was not in the catch up with friends and in the something social. And then Josh got up early one morning and grabbed his Bible and went and found some time alone, and that's where he met God. 
Do you get what I'm saying? Like there are spaces and places and times in your day, spaces and places and times in your life where God is waiting for you. Here's, here's the challenge for 2023, and I said it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple to go, okay, I've got to find where God is. Like how many can understand that concept? No one's sitting here going, I don't understand. It's too complicated. It's a simple concept. Find where God is in your life. But it's harder to do than it sounds because it will require something of you. It requires energy. It requires a sacrifice of time. It requires laying some things down. It requires changing habits. Why don't we as a church agree that in 2023 we are going to as individuals and as a corporate body, we are going to pursue God like we have never pursued him before. Church, I gotta I gotta be honest like the statistics that come out of you know some of the surveys that are done around modern day churches are just like from a pastor's perspective super depressing. You know, it's like 80, 80, whatever it is, 80, 90 percent of Christians don't read their Bible daily. But why don't why don't you make a commitment today that I refuse to be a part of that statistic. Like 60, 70% of confessing Christians don't go to church more than once or twice a month. Just say, I'm not, I'm not going to be part of that statistic. It's like over 90% of Christians would say that they don't know what their purpose is. Now, churches are filled with Christians who are just kind of struggling to work things out. But if we're all honest with ourselves, are we doing this this one thing? The reason I've put a photo of the chosen up there, who watches the chosen? Good. I want to see more hands up next time I ask that question. I think the chosen is a phenomenal TV series. I think that sometimes when you read the Bible, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes things get lost in translation and sometimes words on a page just don't grip you the way that literally seeing something happen in front of your eyes. Well, I have read so many times the story in the Bible of the woman with the issue of blood. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She's got a, a womb thing going on. She touches the hem of Jesus's garment and she's healed. I've read that story so many times, but the last chosen episode, it happened. And it was like, it was like watching it happen in front of you. It's amazing. And listen, I've seen a couple of grumpy old fart Preachers get up on YouTube and rail against the chosen because Bible says you shouldn't add anything to Scripture, and I'm just like, like stupid. And now the old grumpy fart pastors that are known for preaching old grumpy fart sermons about everything. I watched I watched an interview with the cast of the chosen, and they just shared some of the stories that they had received. And they said, look, we, we received so many stories from people that have watched the show. And one guy, he said, look, I have received multiple stories of people that had already written their suicide note. They were done. And they got invited around to a friend's house. They watched an episode of The Chosen, and it completely turned their life around. Like the Bible says that uh, you can judge a tree by its fruit. And these guys are saying, well, there are people that are encountering God for the first time and people that are reconnecting with God, people that are dedicating their lives to God, relationships being restored, lives being saved. I think The Chosen is awesome. I love it. One of the things that I noticed in this last episode 
it's been going for a couple of years now, is how often the disciples have no idea where Jesus is. Have you, anyone noticed that? That's what's the chosen? Like so often they're like, where's Jesus? I don't know. Where's the master? I don't know. And then he just kind of arrives back and there's this big commotion like the master's back, the master's returned, that Jesus is back, rabbi's back. And I was like, man, so often Jesus just disappears. He just goes off. Where is Jesus going? He's going to a space and a place and a time where he can find God. How many people know that if Jesus needed to do it, then we need to do it. My challenge to you this morning is to, is to go, you know what, this year I refuse to live a life that isn't pursuing Jesus. I refuse to watch Netflix every night and not read my Bible. I'm just not going to do that anymore. This year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find where God is. I was talking to a, a pastor friend of mine the other day and he was talking about how he, you know, was kind of been a Christian for a long time, been a pastor for a long time, decades, and he was kind of like, ah, oh, it's not very exciting at the moment. I don't know if you guys know this, but pastors go through these times when they're like, ah, oh, being a Christian is not very exciting. Leading a church is kind of boring. That happens, it's never happened to me, obviously, because this place is awesome, but other, other pastors, happens to Andre all the time. And, um, ah, jokes, jokes, just a normal amount. Um, I got totally sidetracked there. Anyway, I was talking to him, and he said, he said one day, he said, I had a dream. It's about three or four years ago. He said, I had a dream, and in my dream, a person came to me, and he said, and I knew in the dream. You know how when you have a dream, you know stuff that you shouldn't know? He said, I knew in the dream that this person was the Trinity. It was Jesus. It was God. It was the Holy Spirit. All three of them were wrapped up in this person, and this person came to him in the dream and said, we, plural, we would like to spend more time with you. And in the dream, he said, how much time do you want? And this person said, we want three hours a day. And he woke up and he said, I knew that I knew that I knew that God had spoken to me in this dream. He said, the only problem was I didn't have three hours a day to just stop whatever I was doing. And so he said, I prayed and I said to God, God, I, I, how am I going to find three hours a day? And God said, get up at 4.30. And he said, so for the last two or three years, he said, I have gotten up at 4.30 every morning and I spend three hours just finding where God is, sitting, listening, talking, journaling, reading, praying, crying, getting nothing sometimes. And, and how many people know that that has cost him something? I don't get up at 4.30 every morning. I just pray, God, please don't tell me to do that. <sighs> And he said, he said, the other problem is, he said, I have to go to bed by nine. So he said, I don't have, I, I can't go out socially and do things late at night because I'm tired from getting up at 4.30 in the morning. I remember hearing Bill Johnson talk once, pastor of Bethel. And uh, he, he talked about the number of times that God would wake him up in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, and he'd spend a couple of hours praying. And he said, he did it every night for like two weeks. And by the end of the fortnight, he said, I was exhausted and he said, people would say to him, well, Bill, if it was really God, then you should have all this energy. He's like, that's ridiculous. If I'm lacking sleep, I'm, I'm la like, maybe sometimes God will give you a supernatural blessing of like, well, you can get up and do three hours in the middle of the night and it won't affect you physically. But we've got physical bodies. He said, I'm tired from doing it. Costs something. Maybe you've got to pivot from watching three episodes a night of your favorite show to just one and then 
praying or, or doing it every second night or something. My point is that it is, it is going to cost you something. If it doesn't cost you something, then we're not doing it right. I want you to have the best year that you've ever had this year. I want you to look back at the end of it and go, that was the year that my relationship with God exploded into life like I never thought possible. My, my faith journey has just, uh, you know, extravagantly exploded. My relationships are healthier than they've ever been. I've got a much greater handle on my mental and emotional health. I've seen breakthrough in this area. I've seen this family member come to church, come to Christ. I want you to look back and go, this year was amazing. And I'm telling you, the first step to doing it is to find the space and the place and the time in your day where God is and go there. Give him the space and the place and the time. And then there are two more steps. We're going to do one next week. Can't tell you what it is. And we're going to do one the week after. And if you do this three-step process every day, I guarantee you, you will get to the end of this year and go, I wouldn't change a thing. That was the best year that I've ever had. It's not easy, but it's also not complicated. Are we good? Bit of a challenge, right? Bang! What are we going to do? And you say to me, Josh, what are you going to do? I have this horrible feeling I'm going to start getting up early. God's like, you can't preach messages like that and go home and watch Netflix. And I know, right? So I, I promise I will be leading by example. Something else that God has talked to me about, might talk to you about, is fasting. He's like, I think I want you to, God doesn't say I think I want you. He's like, I want you to get into some more fasting. I went through a couple of years where I regularly fasted every week and then did a couple of big ones. And then last year I took the year off. And God said, right, we're gonna, you're going to come back and start doing it. Like, oh, yay. How many of you know fasting is fun? Here's what we'll do, just to finish up. Have I got another slide? Oh, yeah, look, nice little circle. Um, We're going to take a minute or two, and I'm just going to leave you to just have a chat with God. Maybe maybe he's going to give you something right off the bat. You're going to leave here knowing this is what I'm going to start doing differently. How many people have heard the saying, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got? Right, you've heard that saying. How many people have heard the quote that's often attributed to Einstein that insanity or the definition of insanity is doing the same thing expecting a different result? You combine those two kind of concepts together. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing you've always done, expecting something different to happen. And it becomes pretty obvious that if you want something different, you've got to do something different. I'm not going to lie and make it sound easier than it is, it will cost you something. Getting up early costs you something. Fasting costs you something. Getting into the Bible costs you something. Getting around people that can help you grow, coming to prayer meeting on Monday nights, whatever it is that God challenges you to do, wherever that space, that place, that time in your day or in your week or in your life is to find God, it's going to cost you something. Don't hide from that. Embrace it. The higher the price you pay for something, the more valuable it is. If I said to you, Steve Forrester, Steve, I've got a prize for you in my left hand and a prize for you in my right hand. The prize in my left hand cost me $5. prize in my right hand cost me $5,000. Which one do you want? What are you going to pick? You're going to pick the $5,000 one because you know if it costs them more, it must be worth more. Don't shy away from something 
with a high price. It just means it's more valuable. Don't negotiate with God. Don't try and negotiate him down. If you feel God says, look, I want you getting up at five, don't go, well, I'll do five, two, seven, like 6.55. All right. We're not going to have any musos or anything. We're just going to take a minute or two. Holy Spirit, right now, I thank you that you are here, that you want to encourage us into a greater intimacy with you. And so, Father, right now, I just pray that every ear would be open, every heart would be open to hear what you are inviting us into. Speak to us this morning, God, and give us ears to hear, I pray.